Hello, everybody. Thank you for checking out the show. CD, Danny Mac here, bringing you another episode of the Undisputed Future Podcast, and I am certainly ready to talk some NXT. Last time I had spoken to you guys, we were covering TakeOver War Games and the Aftermath. This week, I bring you another two weeks worth of NXT coverage with the December 5th and December 12th editions of NXT television. The December 12th edition, a very special, special episode of NXT for an obvious reason in the main event, but for more of a subtle reason as well. It is the four-year anniversary of one of my personal favorite events, NXT TakeOver Our Evolution. If we're looking in NXT history, it all lines up to this date. It's all where it's it's where careers shifted. It's where Corey Graves made his commentary debut. So much going on. It's when the Ascension were a credible threat to Hideo Itami and Finn Balor. It's it's really really remarkable looking back in NXT history to see where everything has come full circle in a sense, and just kind of where all those important pieces then kind of managed to end up now. A lot of career paths going for the better, and then of course we have some obvious examples like what I just mentioned. But, one of those very significant individuals of that time period in NXT history had a match right here on this most recent edition of NXT television. But let's get a summary going of the December 5th edition of NXT. It's not something I want to gloss over. A memorable opening and a certainly memorable closing at the end of this edition of NXT television. A great but short opening matchup. And I say short in kind of with a little bit of leniency here because Punishment Martinez going one-on-one with Matt Riddle Given the time restriction it was granted, great opening match. Martinez is a treat to watch, and we haven't even gotten the chance to really see what he can deliver. Obviously, some of us who are privileged enough to be at NXT live circuit events have seen what Punishment Martinez is capable of. Those of you who have checked out his previous in-ring history, I believe I actually caught him at a House of Glory show a little bit back... uh, Maybe maybe a year year or so, year and a half at, at this point. Not exactly sure, but I do recognize him as a talent. But Matt Riddle, impressive. This match meant to highlight the King of Bros. But granted, Punishment Martinez getting the time period, getting the most out of what he's granted in front of those NXT cameras. That much is for sure. This one really came down to the wire. Martinez was definitely dominant throughout a large course of this one. But the counters and the martial arts ability, the side of Matt Riddle that really resonates and relates with me, it was a match of two really tall and athletic men that came down to the wire, and it was a roundhouse kick to the head to a bro mission submission, kind of like a really ridiculously modified Rings of Saturn, a lot of leverage just torquing on the shoulders of Martinez, not a position any man wants to be in, Matt Riddle's MMA experience kicking in to its highest points and able to deliver him another victory in NXT. But bro, no. It's Ono. A rolling elbow would take Matt Riddle by surprise. This rivalry between these two men, Cassius Ono and who he deemed William Regal's 
shiny new toy. Cassius Ono not taking care of other people's playthings with a vicious strike to the most recent NXT signing. I like that this rivalry is continuing. I don't think it's gotten its justice. I think it's driven home the point that Matt Riddle, behind the laid-back demeanor, behind the comedic way he might say debut, he's a vicious and meaningful and experienced competitor between the ropes. Cassius Ono, not ready for that at a takeover sort of scenario, and Matt Riddle able to capitalize on a short period of time. But Ono getting the upper hand in this continuation of the rivalry, very important, not just for Cassius Ono standing, but to get us even more invested in the rise of Matt Riddle through some NXT victory after victory, and I'll get some NXT action later on as well. Ricochet, the North American champion, getting another well-produced video package from the WWE team. Just going to take a quote from there. I am not a highlight reel. I came to win and talk business. Ricochet is the real deal. He's representing that North American championship proudly. He looks to defend in a successful series of open challenges, and that would kick in on the December 12th edition of NXT. Heavy Machinery, big-time players in the tag team division right now. Not really sure if it's granted due to their success over the past six months or so. They did mention that 18 months ago, they did have their altercations with the Authors of Pain reigning NXT Tag Team Champions at that time, which was kind of a little bit of a dose of reality in in my world as well, because I I was fortunate enough to see Heavy Machinery lock it up with the Authors of Pain at an NXT live show in Poughkeepsie. If you scroll back a little bit of ways, you will get to hear some recap with me and Nikki Six, who also joined me at that event. And 18 months ago, feels like a long time, but in the world of professional wrestling, these things just, just tend to fly by. I'm not sure if it's me, but pro wrestling time definitely seems a lot shorter than 9 to 5, holiday to holiday, work, average life time span. Anyway, Heavy Machinery, within those 18 months, seeking to improve, seeking to really rev up their engines, if I could drop one of many automotive puns that will come in discussing these two large gentlemen. They are not finished here without those tag team championships. Very significant point. A lot of speculation behind NXT call-ups, Royal Rumble, Road to WrestleMania season, post-WrestleMania season, But we know that Heavy Machinery's journey, they're vowing for it not to end until they have captured those coveted NXT Tag Team titles from the Undisputed Era. So in other words, and to put it briefly, U-E-H-M is coming! And while the Tucker Train and Bold Dozovic look to roll through some tag team competition, upcoming big-time tag team stars and a faction to certainly keep your eyes on, the Forgotten Sons, Steve Cutler, Wesley Blake, and the dangerous big man on the outside in Jackson Riker, taking on Humberto Carrillo and Raul Mendoza. Boy, was that a white man trying to roll his R's if I had ever heard it coming out of my own mouth. Anyway, Ultimo Ninja is the real deal. Humberto Carrillo is a talent to watch. This tandem of Mendoza Mendoza and Carrillo, two men to watch. It's been a long time since we got a tag team like 
the Lucha Dragons, Sin Cara, and Kalisto remember their tag team success. Wesley Blake is familiar with their tag team failure. Blake looking to put down another luchador tag team here. Don't forget, Wesley Blake and now Cruiserweight champion Buddy Murphy put away the Lucha Dragons for their first NXT Tag Team Championship run. So, Wesley Blake has history and success over luchador-style tag teams. But I honestly, it's it's been a long time since I've seen just this adrenaline and agility come out of a man like Humberto Carrillo was able to display. The spotlight was on him, and he's another guy making the most of what he is given. Wesley Blake, however, a lot stronger than I can remember. Really displaying the power game here, I guess given the landscape of how it is now and kind of looking at this this team with uh, with a little bit of revisionist revisionist vision on it, I suppose, uh, Wesley Blake did seem to be the power sorts on the Blake and Murphy factor. They weren't a team who was necessarily known for their power game. Granted, that running vertical suplex, that'll... That'll take that'll take a lot of strength out of anybody and a lot of balance by the competitor who it's delivered on as well. And uh, Buddy Murphy is a juggernaut in the cruiserweight division. He's a strong man there. But this match, it, it highlights, I guess, those things that we didn't see in the past with Wesley Blake. He's a talent to keep your eye on, a tag team veteran within this Forgotten Sons faction. Let's talk about his tag team partner, though, Steve Cutler. Steve Cutler... Rocking a haircut, or I should say lack thereof, a haircut that would definitely not be acceptable in his former in his former career standing. Do not forget this man is tough as nails and a former United States Marine out of New Jersey. Cutler's looking this biker part. He's uh, suffered a face injury. Orbital bone fracture, I believe, a, uh, a injury that later on mentioned only Lorkin familiar with, but Cutler rocking a haircut that highlights this badass Sons of Anarchy vibe that they want to give him. Tough as nails, it shows week after week. And uh, the Forgotten Sons, it's, it's a team to keep your eye on. Humberto Carrillo and Raul Mendoza also looking to rise through the ranks of NXT television and the tag team division ranks. Lots of big roadblocks in these two smaller sized teams, but we've seen the success Undisputed Era has had against larger opponents. War Raiders and Heavy Machinery probably at the top of the food chain at the moment, but these two teams certainly to keep your eye on, and I'm pretty sure keeping tally at home, that's about the sixth time I've used a signature word on this show. Let's get to the ending, though can't discuss the the finale without expressing how gift-worthy some of those cells by Wesley Blake were during this match as well. Very entertaining, highlighted both teams very well, but a scorpion death stomp for the Suns would seal the victory for this dangerous tag team. Kind of funny how I mentioned his former tag team partner and I'm sitting here going through the uh the old Twitter feed post post NXT. I I jumped right on the microphone fortunately this week right after the 1212 edition of NXT aired, and uh, quoting Arya Davari, I stand by my words, pair of jeans is all you need to fight, and this gif is capturing, it seems all wrestlers care about these days, 
is dressing up like their favorite superheroes or retweeting compliments on Twitter. Arya Davari standing by, he only wants or needs a pair of jeans to fight, and I'm sure the privileged man such as himself is rocking a very expensive pair of jeans when he gets into these fights. Anyway, talking about Buddy Murphy, quoting that and saying, I wrestle for gifts. So Wesley Blake provides some gift-worthy things, and that's what Buddy Murphy decides to wrestle for. That's a weird segue into my next segment. We talk about the ambiance and the environmentally controlling Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream, unfortunately, and it's it's damning to a lot of us NXT fans out here, unsuccessful against Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT title. And uh, as you can hear the pain in my voice, that's not just exhaustion, that's another man failing to take that title away from Tommaso Ciampa. Everyone and everything is talking about the dream and uh, that everything being the entire internet and the entire stream of my timeline and a couple of my Facebook friends and some weirdly captured things on Instagram and, of course, the velveteen dog, Colin, who lays over there in peace. How you doing there, buddy? Yeah, everyone's talking about the dream. Everybody's focus is is on the very, very over Velveteen Dream. And of course, the Dream answering us in riddles and enigmatic responses. What is next for the Velveteen Dream? It's what all of us are curious to know, but we only know one thing for absolute certainty. That's with a T, not with an L-Y. Dream very much over. Hyping up a match that I'll be talking about in my 12-12 edition of NXT. EC3 and Bobby Fish, the Undisputed Era in a NWO-esque signature at this point, promo style for them, putting the top one percenter on notice. Not letting him forget where that knee injury came from and at the hands of and what device was used to deliver this pain. And I thought it was very funny in this one that Undisputed Era going on, how they were sharks in the water, and Bobby Fish, the invested one in this EC3 rivalry, I don't know, a little aquatic pun, I guess I, I kind of reached reached down deep to find here. Undisputed Era vowing that it is their division and their era, and boys and girls, it's not the first time I'm going to be discussing them this episode. But that much is undisputed. Talking women's action, jumping right into it. Shayna Baszler versus Dakota Kai. Another reignited rivalry. Baszler accompanied by her friends. This Queen's Army, I'm guessing it's deemed by. We haven't heard much reference. Well, obviously because Raw is Rousey at the moment. Raw's women's division, at least, is Ronda Rousey and... uh, just haven't haven't heard any reference to the four horsewomen, but we have Let's Play, Let's Fight t-shirts being worn by Jasmine Duke and Marina Shafir, respectively. And we have the Queen's Army engraved on the back of Shayna Baszler's gear. So, are we sticking with a three-person nickname of the Queen's Army? 
Is it just coincidental and I'm kind of looking at something with a little bit of future sight? I don't know, but we're taking a look back at one of Shayna Baszler's most vicious campaigns here in a match with Dakota Kai. But this is a reinvigorated Dakota Kai. This is the Dakota Kai who is familiar and quite frankly tired of all the crap that she's been handed by Dakota Kai. And you saw it express herself in this one. Punching and an emphasis on kicking the bully right in the face. But a familiar strategy would once again pay off for Shayna Baszler. Going attacking the arm. Kai would keep on kicking. Just... Put for, putting forth a little bit more of a back and forth this time to defeat Dakota Kai. Mentioning the aggression of Kai and what she, the kind of impact that she hopes to put on the NXT UK women's division. Once I assume all this Baszler backlash is over with, it's, it's really paying off here to have impressive showings against the NXT women's champion Shayna Baszler. Unfortunately, another great showing, another close contest for Kai, but just too much for Kai to handle. It takes but a second for Shayna Baszler to snatch on a submission, and Dakota Kai tapping out in this one, and even with this lack of mercy, with the submission and the Kirifuda clutch locked in, a further emphasis of the lack of remorse Shayna Baszler and Duke, and Shafir have a post-match beatdown on Dakota Kai. However, Kai gets saved by Shirai. Let's try and keep up, because there's going to be, that, that rhyme scheme is going to keep keep on coming a couple more times, a little bit later on, and uh, I got some, some things I do want to discuss when I start talking a little bit more further. Post-match beatdown interrupted by Io Shirai. Io Shirai looking to make an immediate impact on NXT, going right to the jugular, sticking up for Kyrie, sticking up for Dakota, throwing herself right to the wolves, and staring them down like Liam Neeson in the gray, and Io Shirai not backing down in the face of this Queen's army. Well, apparently my previous assumption of a brief episode was, uh, was a little bit premature, because we're going about 20 minutes here, and, uh, I'm just now getting to the Last segment, which features Tommaso, Champ, uh, and Goldie, the NXT Championship, and I'm certain was to be a very modest campaign, and nothing but the most utmost respect for past competitors and future competitors and past title holders, and no, there's. There, there's never, there's never any of that when it comes to Tommaso Ciampa. Nobody believes in Tommaso Ciampa. Apparently not. Champ's words, not necessarily mine. Personal biases aside, Johnny Gargano and Aleister Black support aside, I believe in Tommaso Ciampa. Apparently, Anita Smith, shout out to Anita. And Moro don't believe in Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso Ciampa apparently going back and watching NXTs with commentary and just getting getting the gist of the the litany 
of words that Mauro Ranallo has referred to Tommaso Ciampa as. I have a good vocabulary, folks, but there's there's a lot of words to describe Tommaso Ciampa. I I can't go back and can't go back and and remember. There's there's been quite the quite the cornucopia of ways to describe the despicable NXT champion, the Black Heart of NXT. 2018 and already claiming 2019's Sports Entertainer of the Year. And believe it or not, it's a little bit of a downgrade in comparison to the greatest sports entertainer of all time that we are used to hearing when it comes to Mr. Champa. Anyway, one man who is definitely sick of the manipulation, sick of the words, and vows to get his title back is Alistair Black. Alistair Black calling Tommaso Ciampa not really a champion. Not the point I want to emphasize in this discussion, though. Alistair Black giving us a very in-depth description of Tommaso Ciampa as a puppet master. And this puppet master nickname would serve not just of significant importance coming from Alistair Black verbally, but also metaphorically summarizing this ending segment of the December 5th edition of NXT. I'll get to that when Johnny Gargano makes his appearance, which is right after Aleister Black claims a rematch clause in Phoenix, January, Royal Rumble weekends, we see Aleister Black cashing in his rematch clause. Johnny Gargano, however, vowing that this is not over, Johnny Badass has made his way here, and he's 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 already absolved in Alistair's eyes, but that's not good enough for Johnny Wrestling. Johnny Gargano insisting on being the hero and being the story, and the undisputed, no pun intended, well, maybe a little bit, hero of this story. The destiny that he seeks to fulfill and strike down the black heart and the rebel heart coming out on top in this DIY saga. And whilst Johnny Gargano and Aleister Black are having this confrontational war of words, the champion stands on the ring apron, egging things on, encouraging this appearance of Johnny Badass with Johnny Wrestling sitting in the back. And if I wanted to finish things once and for all, I would settle it in a steel cage and just pulling the strings and quite literally proving Aleister Black's point as the puppet master behind this. It's It was genius. It was really a great ending to NXT, it summarized, it went back, it reflected, it drove home this point of manipulation from Tommaso Ciampa, oh, and no fear, a lot of yelling, and a lot of things to, uh, one particular movement to discuss, Johnny Gargano mouthing off, Aleister Black yelling back, and a black mess to Gargan, no, but... Tommaso Ciampa, not so lucky. Johnny Gargano able to avoid the spinning wheel kick black mass, 
But Tommaso Ciampa, not so lucky. The champion getting a swift remedy right across his jaw. And Aleister Black would end this edition of NXT standing and at some point sitting tall in the NXT arena. Great main event segment. We're in this really good period where rivalries are going to get summed up before TakeOver. Maybe even some championship matches in the meantime. Who knows if or when Heavy Machinery is going to get their chance. We know that in two weeks' time... Well, now's as good of a time as ever. Talking 12-12 edition of NXT here now, guys. No pauses, no segments, no really dramatic segues. Let's just get into what's already going to happen two weeks on the day after Christmas, December 26th edition of NXT, that being a fatal four-way for the number one contender to the Women's Championship. Mentioned Shayna Baszler a little while back, going to get to Dakota Kai and Io Shirai in a matter of minutes, but let's talk Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era kicking off things on the four-year anniversary edition of NXT TakeOver Revolution, Our Revolution, Excuse me, it's hard to it's hard to intentionally mispronounce and uh, really emphasize the capitalization. Anyway, UE calling out EC3's shortcomings, but the magnitude and success of the Undisputed Era. Granted, and admittingly, not a highlight year for the trio. Now, uh, I don't want to say the word foursome, but I'm going to. Faction, not a career year for the faction in 2018. Lots of bumps and bruises in the road, quite literally, if you've seen the magnitude of matches that Undisputed Era has been in as of late. But that one dreadful and down year has done nothing but kickstart a decade of dominance. And that's... A lot of foreshadowing by Adam Cole, baby. That's a lot of promises to be kept in a double-digit year time period. And another undisputed promise made in this preaching by the leader of the Undisputed Era. All four members are to be draped in gold. Now, how does this come about? They're almost halfway there. They are halfway there. Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong, the representatives of the NXT tag team titles at the moment. And I'm going to get to how Bobby Fish's single competitor really is rearranging this this lineup in the Undisputed Era. If I'm if I'm debating who's defending these tag team titles, I go with the Red Dragon experience of Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Assuming that we're still free birding these titles around, I give it to the team combination that has the most years on the road together and in the back and tag teaming together and defending not just the NXT titles, but countless other tag team championships across the board. I'm going with Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. But this gives Roderick Strong his tag team legs. It furthers this continuation and consistency of these two guys defending those titles, and it really, really emphasized, and tonight's match with EC3, we got a chance to see 
and really be reminded how good Bobby Fish is and can be in a single scenario. Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish were both first early on opponents for Aleister Black on NXT television when the undefeated streak in singles action was still 100%. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly did have singles matches with the Dutch Destroyer. That's the last time to my memory, and please reach out to me if I'm wrong in saying this, that's the last time I can recall Bobby Fish being in a singles match and really getting to show and shine what he can do between those ropes. Because if if I'm looking at this and what this match did for me, it's that maybe Kyle O'Reilly isn't the best technical wrestler in this faction. Maybe Bobby Fish is the most submission and technically efficient. Maybe they're both identical, just in different ways and delivery on such a style. It, it could be a number of things. My point here, guys, is that this match got me thinking about the landscape of the era. Who can shine in singles competition? What's going to happen with the tag team title combinations? How often is that going to change up depending on who their opponents are? And what's next for the singles spotlight for Bobby Fish? Let's talk EC3 though. EC3 not coming to play the powerful fighting spirit. Man, I would uh, I would not go out of my way to hit EC3 with a steel chair ever again if that's that's what's on the other side. EC3 with a couple devastating power moves this batch up, including a really remarkable power bomb. Mentioning the technical superiority of Bobby Fish, though, that's what really kept him in this fight. That's what really right back to the knee and emphasizing the technical supremacy, that's where he was able to deliver the most in this matchup. And of course, the brethren of the Undisputed Era providing, and I really like what Nigel said here, a distract and attack strategy. It's been their MO for a long time. Whenever anybody gets a singles matchup, distract and giving somebody room to attack, whether it's one of them distracting the referee and an outside interference or giving the man who's actually competing in the match a chance and an open window to capitalize on some offense. This craftiness and distraction, however, could not counter yet another pinfall cradle victory for EC3 over a member of the Undisputed Era. So right now, if you're keeping score at home, it's victory after victory of members in the Undisputed Era. Started with Adam Cole. Right now, it's Bobby Fish. I really want to see Roderick Strong and EC3 go one-on-one. And uh, I'd like to see it be that after victory. Moving to women's action, I got a chance to mention this a couple times. Kai and Shirai vowing vengeance against the Queen's Army and even issuing a challenge to Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir, which we learned will take place on the December 19th edition of NXT television. But a tag team match taking place this week would include 1-2 Punch, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Burch facing the mighty Shane Thorne and Nick Miller in what, in what you could only describe as an absolute brutality, mugging, really tough, bald bruisers, Australians, button heads, really fast-paced and chaotic start. Oni Lorcan doing a suicide dive 
is the human equivalent of a shot put being thrown right at you. It's it's like somebody takes a boulder and just heaves it over the top rope and he knocks down essentially anybody standing in his path. Danny Birch has been on the receiving end of, of that couple times in the sense of a crowd and Shane Thorne and Nick Miller were met with a big one this week. Hit after hit, tandem attacks, one man taking down entire team, including by Oni Orkin, a first of two double DDTs. Same term, but in two different ways. Oni Orkin driving the heads of both Nick Miller and Shane Thorne into the canvas, and then later on, a double elevated DDT would help seal the win and lead to a mighty successful week for the one-two punch. And the fact that it's not an official tag team name for them yet, or that something hasn't kicked in, I don't know. I like the authenticity that these guys bring. I like that they're able to shine on their own, but I'd really like to see a official tag team name for Oni Larkin and Danny Birch. I kind of feel like that's overdue. Although, coming from me, if you listen enough, you'll hear me refer to them as one-two punch more often than anything. I mean, I'm, I'm, if, if I find a tag team name I personally like, I'm going to go out of my way to say it and just kind of hope it catches on. Or if I get things tweeted at me, like uh, if, you've, if you're a long-time listener, you might be familiar with my nickname for Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss. I refer to them as the Big Money Athletes. So... These kind of household made-up tag team names from me are nothing unusual. So uh, if you appreciate them, I appreciate you appreciating that. Something else to appreciate in the world of NXT is that we will be blessed with the aforementioned cage match next week, December 19th, shaping up to be a big week for NXT TV. And we did hear from both competitors Johnny Gargano, and Aleister Black. Starting with Johnny Gargano, though, Johnny still sees himself as the hero in this one. He sees little kids high-fiving in the name of him. He sees and seeks to fulfill this destiny of toppling Tommaso Ciampa and redeeming all of the loss and all of the heartache. It's all well and good, and it's all really ideal, especially if you're a big-time Johnny Gargano fan. But Aleister Black, very quick to remind us that it's not your feelings on what should be that counts. He actually emphasized a lack of feelings in this cage match. And it's not something he feels for, it's just something he must do. Johnny is beyond redemption and the absolution that was granted to him at TakeOver apparently not good enough and we're hoping things get settled in a big way and a violent way inside of a steel cage next week ends another event for next week to keep your eyes on chris dijak dominic dijakovic or just known as dijakovic And yes, I know how badly I'm probably butchering that name in comparison to the native tongue it should be pronounced as, but I didn't see anything wrong with Chris Dijak. Even if if we wanted to go, and by we I mean 
WWE's brass and creative in charge of naming superstars wanted to go the one single named way, why not go with the five letter simplicity that we know has worked already? Like Rusev, Dijak, simple, to the point, one word, foreign, scary guy, I think it works. But yes, Dijakovic, next week, re-debut, this time with a lot more emphasis, and a win coming under his belt. Going back to women's action, this idea of a challenge seems to not phase at all. Whether it's Shayna Baszler, you ask, of the idea of a challenge by a number one contender to come out of a fatal four-way in two weeks, or if you ask Jasmine Duke and Marina Shafir accepting Dakota Kai and Io Shirai's tag team challenge. They just don't care. They're going to run roughshod over the women's division in a way that the Undisputed Era was able to run roughshod over any division they wanted to coming out of the gate. I certainly remember that night, TakeOver Brooklyn 3, when Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish took out Sanity and the Authors of Pain, and Adam Cole quick to lay out Drew McIntyre. Shayna Baszler, we've seen her lay out opponent after opponent after opponent, bullying her way to not just one, but two NXT title reigns. Marina Shafir, Jasmine Duke, not much I can really say based on their NXT experience, but I know these women's MMA resume. I know that they're tough as nails and they're not a force to shy away from in the spotlight of women's action either. Duke and Shafir take on Kai and Shirai next week. Mia Yim takes on Reyna Gonzalez for a spot in the Fatal 4-Way to contend for Shayna Baszler's NXT Women's title. But first, William Regal announcing officially that Lacey Evans will be a participant along with Bianca Belair, the first two announced for that Fatal 4-Way matchup. And I just, just want to take a brief moment of appreciation for if you didn't see it, look at William Regal's Twitter profile picture. Just do it. Not going to say anything further than that. I'm going to start talking about Mia Yim versus Reyna Gonzalez. The size difference in this matchup was apparent. It's the Blasian baddie versus a big, tough Texan. And admittedly, Gonzalez was really impressive in her dominance in this one. It's a match where you kind of expected it to go one way. But Reyna Gonzalez, like what I kicked off the episode talking about, Punishment Martinez able to make the most of her time between those ropes. Mia Yim did manage to strike and come back and really come back, kick her way to some soul food being delivered. But Reina Gonzalez, really impressive showing, like the tough tough Texan aesthetic that she's got. The size and the trash talking is going to do wonders for her in her future. But Mia Yim rolling on this what seems to be more successful than failures in NXT thus far, winning this week and contending in the number one contenders matchup for Shayna Baszler's NXT Women's Championship. And did not know this one, and uh, for those of you who might not have caught it come across on commentary, 
I mean, I've I've watched pro wrestling with muted before, so uh, I know how it goes. Sometimes you just don't catch the commentary, whether it's by choice or you just kind of zone out. Anyway, Mia Yim and Shayna Baszler, one time, not sure if it's current, can't confirm if it's current. I don't think they said whether it was current or not on NXT television, but at one point, roommates. So Mia Yim really wanted to contend and really bring it home, if you will, this contention spirit. And Mia Yim looks to further that as the third competitor in the Fatal 4-Way. Who has taken that fourth spot? Wild prediction off the bat, somebody who I think wants recognition as badly as her husband does, Candice LeRae. I think this edgy, yet unresponsive version of Candice LeRae is going to lead to a by-any-means-necessary attitude, and Candice is going to find a way to contend and take it to Shayna Baszler. But please, don't let that be the only prediction. Tweet at me, reach out to me any way you want. Who do you think is taking that last spot in the NXT Women's Championship number one contender, Fatal 4-Way? And in the world of more surprise opponents, North American champion Ricochet would be getting exactly that in a open challenge for that very title. And it's what I've been waiting to discuss for how long are we in this show here, Team NXT? 42 minutes and counting. Ricochet took on NXT veteran alumni Prince Pretty. Look, everyone, it's Tyler. Tyler Breeze, welcome back. Welcome home. Watching Tyler Breeze in an NXT ring and able to emphasize how good he is, and how much this character can deliver, and the don't touch me, right back at the referee. I don't know if it's too early for something to be a nostalgia act. I don't know if NXT should even have nostalgia acts at this point in its history. For God's sake, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 2015 was... Not really that long ago. And I mentioned it before. World of Professional Wrestling, long time ago. Real World, long time ago. Huge difference. And it it was really just great to see Tyler Breeze back in the Full Sail Arena. I even betrayed my own spoiler-free zone morals when the week of the tapings was going on. And I retweeted him. A picture there right away, mostly because I read it as, oh, he showed up at another live event. That's cool. No. Contender. North American Championship match. A great match. An athletic match. A vintage NXT Tiger Breeze match. But, signature Ricochet as well. These guys are so athletic and able to match each other's offense and just feed off the speed and the chemistry between them. Really, really great stuff. Championship-worthy main event of NXT television. And I'll say it once, I'll say it a thousand times if I have to. Just a friendly reminder of how good Tyler Breeze is 
and since the fashion police have been unfortunately off SmackDown television since Fandango unfortunately suffering an injury, this match was really nice to get some spotlight on Tyler Breeze, remind us how good he is as a singles competitor, really shine the character work that developed in NXT back on an NXT stage, and give longtime fans like me that sort of treat. I can only imagine how those Full Sail University OGs feel. Awesome match, all the hits, supermodel kick, beauty shots, but not enough to put away the one and only. Ricochet delivering what I saw and perceived as a modified and delayed Metalik driver, Death Valley driver to a uh, to a Minshinoku driver, and that's all she wrote. North American Championship retained. Tyler Breeze able to have a great match on the four-year anniversary of NXT Takeover Our Evolution. Something really special for me and longtime NXT fans alike. And even if anything more importantly. A nice little window for some of the newer NXT fans or even new to wrestling fans or new to paying attention to Tyler Breeze fans. A lot, granted, a lot of people only know him as somebody who could come out and take a loss, especially since Fandango was out on injury and just kind of fed into singles matches. And even with the lack of tag team success with Fandango. Tiger Breeze has been on the losing side of a lot lately without the chance to shine and look good and remind us of the talent. Getting this opportunity, really important. I could go on and on about it. Most simple way, as a friendly reminder, watch the match. Enjoy the match. There's one and only Ricochet, and there's only one and only NXT Tiger Breeze. That's the Tyler Breeze I took seriously as a championship competitor. And it's a Tyler Breeze I really hope and want to see a lot more often. And I'm really hoping that you guys want to listen more often. Not necessarily for 47 minutes, but thank you for joining me on two weeks worth of NXT discussion, ambition and motivation, and just household opportunity. I was able to jump right behind the microphone after the December 12th edition of NXT television, so I'm hoping to have this episode out Thursday morning or Thursday evening as to my old release schedule, or at the very latest, you will have it for the weekend. Thank you so much for listening, no matter how you're listening to me. Be sure to check out the social media, at podcast underscore UF is the Twitter, it's the primary form of contact. I'm always looking for input. I'm always looking for people to live tweet wrestling shows with. So be sure to reach out to me and give me a follow on there. At Undisputed Future Podcast, all one word, is the Instagram. You'll find some wrestling memes and pictures of my dog up there. So be sure to give me a follow on there as well. Facebook, give me a like on the Facebook page. Uh, Not as active as it should be, blah, blah, blah. You've heard all this before. But most importantly, listen to me on your favorite podcasting platform, whether that is iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, CastBox.fm, 
anywhere that will pick up my RSS feed. Amazon Alexa apps, I'm up there somewhere too. And if you're liking the show, and please give me a rave review. Give me some five stars on iTunes. It would be thoroughly appreciated. And if you give me a tweet, give me a shout out somehow, after you do so, I will be sure to return the favor and give you a shout out on the following episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. CD, Danny Mac here. You there listening to me on your commute, on your drive, public transportation, or hopefully in a more ideal scenario on the couch with a favorite beverage, no matter how you're doing it or where you're doing it. I couldn't do this show without you there on the other side. Thank you so much for checking it out. I'll see you next time to discuss a monster edition of NXT next week for the December 19th, 2018 edition. Have a great week, everybody. Be safe out there.